0: For the week of August 1st, 2017, this is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Stephen Cox. Hello. On this week's show, we talk with Ethan Todras Whitehill. He is the executive director and one of the co-founders of Swing Left. And then we will speak with Justin Goff. He is an activist with Swing Left here in Washington, and he has been instrumental in getting the 8th District on everyone's radar. And then we will have our weekly call to action along with our Dose of of good news. Swing Left is a website and online community that puts volunteers in touch with their closest swing districts with the goal of winning the House for the Democrats in 2018. It is the brainchild of my guest, Ethan Todris Whitehill. He's the executive director and one of three founders of Swing Left. Ethan, thank you for joining us, man.
1: Thanks for having me. I think this is actually my first podcast. I'm, no, no, my second, my second. Oh,
0: man. Well, I was, I was hoping so to be close, your first, so but, uh, yeah, all right, that's fine. I'll, I'll take it. Uh, so a profile on NewYorker.com from back in January had you as a self-described GMAT teacher, dad, political nerd, writer. I figure you're still a political nerd and dad, but is, is Swing Left your full-time gig now? <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. The right the writer part has you know, uh, shrunk to writing the occasional tweet and um, email Mm -hmm. kind of thing or medium post. Yeah, (laughs) that's that that that, that part's difficult to keep up with the current gig.
0: Yeah. no, I'm I'm sure that this is incredibly time consuming as well. It should be. Uh, So you started Swing Left after the 2016 election and directly before the inauguration on January 19th, to be exact. Um, Just real quickly, where did the idea come from?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just one of those things, you know, I feel like people respond to shock and tragedy in different ways. And, you know, my thing was like, you know, I immediately need to start working on fixing it, right? Because it was just so untenable, Um, you know, the experience of having watched Donald Trump just win this election. I think, you know, um, uh, people got there in a lot of different ways at a lot of different times. But for me, I got there at like 10 a.m. the day following the election. Mm-hmm. It's like, what can I do? I got to do something. And, you know being a political nerd i knew that we were set up for a wave election in 2018 yeah. but you know um the experience of the of 2016 is you know i was just sort of sitting back and like you know cheering uh, hillary clinton you know and the and democrats in the senate on um you know without actually doing anything about it and so you know the, the immediate lesson is like well I can't I can't do that anymore like I didn't do anything last time I got to do something this time so what can I do and that's where it came to me, the idea of you know think focusing on the house and um focusing on swing districts um I you know I live in Massachusetts too and I don't it's not a um uh, uh, you know, it's like, uh, it's pretty
0: blue. Yeah,
1: yeah it's pretty blue. 98 2 district, right? You know, mm-hmm. one of those unopposed. Um, And so uh, my district wasn't going to be wh- where it made a difference. And so I need to find someplace that 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 would. And so um, I found New York 19 after a little bit of searching around. And I was just starting to write a, a, a Facebook post about how I was going to focus on 2018 and New York 19. And that was my closest swing district. And where's yours? And but I didn't hit post because I was like, there should be a tool for this. There should be an app for this. And that mm. was kind of the initial genus of uh, Swing Left was was just, you know, first helping people find their closest swing districts. And then, well, what, what, what should we do? Oh, we should, we should we should collect their email addresses and then give them stuff to do to help there, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a total eureka uh, moment. I love it. Yeah. yeah so. so you were profiled pretty shortly after you launched on newyorker.com, which probably give you a good idea of just how big this is, Going to become right? I mean, even Sarah Silverman was was calling you out pretty shortly after. It took off very quickly, didn't it?
1: Um, yeah. Uh, we launched the day before the uh, inauguration, and we were thinking that if and that was like the 18th, I think. And so uh, we were thinking if we did a good job, that maybe by March 1st we could be up to like twenty thousand signups or something. Where are you at um, now? Uh, <laughs> it, 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 for context, we hit two hundred thousand signups by the end of the first weekend. Wow. And over and over over 300,000 now.
0: You've become, a, a, you know, a, a real force to be reckoned with, which uh, I, I think is, it's very empowering for a lot of people. And I want to talk about that philosophically in a little bit. But first, I just want to talk about the metric um, and the way in which it has changed. Uh, as I said at the top, the site works by connecting people with their closest swing district. And um, you've changed the parameters on what constitutes a swing district. It used to be uh, congressional districts whose seats were decided within a margin of 15 percentage points, but you have changed that. Talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, so that that initial metric was, um, you know, a bit of a blunt force instrument. Um, as much as I sort of knew about the Senate um, races and the presidential races, you know, I wasn't actually intimately familiar with House races at that point. Um, and so I didn't feel comfortable putting my finger on the scale. And so, you know, after checking with some experts, and you know, uh, suggesting it was a reasonable criteria. Casting a broad net of 15 points or less for a Republican held swing district or 10 points or less for a Democratic held swing district, a Dem defense district, um, was the way to go. But, uh, you know, once we started to get out there, people started to point out, hey, this is a swing district, this is a swing district, had to look into some some other criteria, and, um, um, you know, emerges, you know, it's not a definitive number, but, um, you know, the Hillary. Clinton uh, Donald Trump margin in the district a lot of people are kind of paying attention to as a metric sure. as well And so we added all of the districts in which Hillary Clinton beat Donald Trump, you know, a lot of those orange county districts mm mm-hmm. um, where you know a lot of you know Democrats, you know,
0: and you mean Orange County, st- California, not Florida or New York, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, no, Orange yeah. County, California, where um, they went, you know, from pretty strong Republican districts to pretty strong Democratic districts sure. or slight Democratic districts, um, you know, places where people might look around and what's going on and say, I may have supported this guy or gal for you know ten years or so, even though he or she's not my party, but no more. Um, so that that seemed like a. A pretty good metric to add, and um, you know we're also not like the D Triple C in that we have a kind of a fixed set of resources. I mean it does you don't want to spread ourselves too thin, but we also you know want to play in a wide variety of places. I think that's one of the lessons of the special elections of uh, of the spring um, is that nobody really knows what are the best districts or what is the right metric to look at or whatever. Um, and so you're learning so, as you go, basically. Absolutely. And we we, will be adding more districts as time goes on as well. Um, uh, Just, you know, thinking about where do we have people, you know, where are there engaged groups who could kind of, you know, use our support, you know, uh, you know, without maybe like taking, you know, you don't necessarily want to take a a place like like, for instance, a new swing district around L.A. L.A. is already surrounded by a ton of swing districts. Right. So. Um, Yeah. So, like, you know, the the value of adding another swing district around L.A. versus the value of adding another one around Seattle.
0: Say, for example, Uh, which I want to get to in a second. Yeah, uh, because you actually just included my home district, uh, Washington's 8th. So I want to get into that in a bit. But so right now, your site says you're targeting 65 total districts. um, 64. Oh, 64. Okay. Um, And... Forty-eight of which are held by Republicans, and forty-seven now. Yeah, forty-seven now. I'm getting a little bit of stale uh, data, Uh, (laughs) but yeah. So basically, your math is: if you hold on to the blue districts and you win half of your red districts, you win back the House. Uh, I guess the question is, in this new metric, and you touched on this a little bit, but I just want to kind of get, your, uh, get you to, to flesh this out a little bit more. How much are you factoring in what I guess we can call the Trump factor, meaning that you know, even popular presidents lose seats in their first midterm, uh, and Trump is, at least in the aggregate, just historically unpopular. So are you expecting potentially bigger losses in 2018, and does that figure into your algorithm?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that was like the premise of the uh, a swing left in the beginning, right? That like as you said, um, midterms go against the incumbent much more strongly when the incumbent's party holds all three branches of government, um, and 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 it had to imagine that with Donald Trump, it was going to be you know historic even in those proportions, and so that was kind of factored in all along, and why we're kind of casting a wide net. It's also you know why we're looking at the the um, you know Trump Clinton margin in the district because we're sort of you know uh, you know opposition to Trump is obviously you know going to be a major driving factor of the 2018 election and that's why we're sort of using it in terms of our targeting criteria. Um, so, for instance, you know where Washington eight may have been won by like 20 20 points last cycle. Um, you know Hillary Clinton won in that district,
0: right? Um, and Obama won in this district as, as yeah. well. And also uh, Maria Cantwell. Uh, who is a Democratic senator, one in this district. And so, yeah, there are a number of factors. What are the most important races in the country right now in your mind? Since you've you've kind of brought that up, I'm sure that there are some in your mind that you see as as real linchpins.
1: I don't know if it's like certain races versus areas. Do you know what I mean? I think a lot of these um, uh, areas will be linked. Um, that's certainly what we saw in terms of polling errors um, uh, around the 2016 elections.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that was that was certainly a big story. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Although, you know, I, I think it was probably blown a little bit out of proportion. It seems to me, from what I've read, the polling errors were within the range of normal. Um, they weren't like a historic polling miss. It's like a fairly normal polling miss, given that Hillary Clinton did win the popular vote by a couple of points. Right. So if they're, you know...
0: Um, that sounds like a little bit of vindication for, say, Nate Silver and five thirty-eight.
1: Yeah, well, they were also the ones who gave the, the closest... And they, they gave Trump a 33% chance of winning. Everyone else gave him like a 1% to 2% chance of winning. So, yeah,
0: Nate Silver kept tweeting saying... Yeah, no, this is not a sure thing. Uh, yeah, so. no.
1: Of all of them, I think 538 deserves the most credit in terms of their their forecasting. Again, even if they did miss, they missed in the best. They missed the closest.
0: Yeah. Um, so you're saying the best way to target is regions. Regions.
1: So uh, the Philly suburbs, right? There's an interconnected set of swing districts, just you know, running up, you know, the uh, eastern part of Pennsylvania. You know, Pennsylvania uh, 16, six, seven. Um, and eight right there, so that's that 's an important area. I mean a lot of those are tough, but you know again, those are areas that you know you, you could potentially win given the high proportion of educated voters. same thing in Orange county right like um, there 's just like a donut of swing districts surrounding l a
0: well you 've got Dana Rohrbacher, who is very vulnerable right now for sure
1: right so and, 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 and ed royce who's got who 's suddenly in a plus nine democratic district um, and then Daryl Issa, I mean oh Dear Lord, um, <laughs> so we just released this this tool. I don't know if you had a time had uh, if you checked it out. Please at all. tell us about it. It's called uh, Swing Left. It's um, it's our uh, 2018 district fundraising leaderboards. Yes. Um, and it's a swingleft.org/fundraise. And um, what it is is it's reporting on, you know, uh, um, as you probably know, we are um, not just building the grassroots army for these campaigns in advance. We're actually raising money for these districts in advance, you know, as are some other outfits. And uh, it, and this is not money that goes to the candidates in the primary. But so, so you know, it's sort of like a primary prize, you know, the, the money that get, gets given to whatever Democrat wins in that district. Right. And so. And we just released a tool that one actually reports on, you know, sort of a leaderboard on um, how much money has been raised for some of these districts. Um, and then it also gives people the tools to sort of raise money themselves for the districts, allows them to create a, a personal fundraising link, gives you a guide for how to host a district funds fundraiser. Um, so,
0: so, just very quickly, who are some of the leaders? Who, 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 What are some of the districts that have raised the most money?
1: Um, California 49. <laughs> <laughs> We're Darryl gunning for Issa. you, Daryl. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, mostly because Crooked Media, you know, the Pod Save America sure. guys really hate him. And largely thanks to them, there's $250,000, 27316, waiting for Daryl Issa's eventual opponent. Okay. Um, so
0: So you've hit on something that I think is very crucial about what you do. And I want to kind of unpack this a little bit. And that is you are essentially empowering people who live in a blue state like California. Philosophically, what Swing Left does, and I think it does this very well, is to give a sense of empowerment to people who live in blue states or cities. And, and, you know, part of the issue, and this is actually a growing problem politically, is that liberal voters tend to cluster in cities where their votes tend to matter less, representationally speaking. So just talk a little bit about how, in your mind, Swing Left really does empower blue state voters, like, you know, in the example of you know, Daryl Issa, where they can really make a
1: difference. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the fundamental conception, right? The idea of what we're doing, it's, it, you know, versus, say, Indivisible, where with focusing on constituent power, um, it makes sense, well, you should focus on your own district, because that's where your voice is is most important, right? Um, when it comes to the, you know, federal elections, which kind of touch everybody, um, you know, we're urging you to focus on your closest swing district. Um, and this kind of makes sense, like you said, because we don't all live in a swing district or any place where our, you know, most of us, at least most people that I'm talking to live in districts like where I live, um, where, you know, your your vote is basically a sure thing for the member they don't really have to worry about it sure. so um by giving them by you know the interesting thing is about two-thirds of our folks live within um uh 50 miles or an hour's drive of their closest swing district um and so that's why we're asking people to get out there and sort of canvas you know we're we're, we're right now we're running a summer challenge program where we're asking them to kind of collect vote pledges uh both because that increases people's likelihood to vote and mm-hmm. also because it um uh, you know collects that information so we can follow up with them make sure they turn out to vote. You're doing so, the work of PCOs basically. Yeah we're doing the work of a campaign starting sure. now because the yep. stakes are just too high to wait. But then um the fundraising as well um you know gives people something to do. Um both they can donate money and now right. they can kind of raise money for these districts. So you know we're trying to offer. Basically, we sort of see Swing Left, um, you know, less is like a membership organization and more is like a platform where um, for everybody to get involved in the 2018 elections in the best way that they're able. You know what yeah, I mean?
0: no, you're a grassroots group mixed with a pack in many ways, which is fantastic. Um, and, you know, and so I would like to come around and talk about Washington State, my home state, uh, for which you have just included the 8th District, which happens to be my home district. And it's funny on the website, the FAQ says sometimes a Swing District. District isn't within driving distance, sorry, Pacific Northwest. And that was definitely the case <laughs> when I went on to swing left initially. And I think it said the closest district to me was maybe Elko, Nevada. Nevada, Is that- Nevada three or four, yeah. Exactly. So now, happily, that's no longer the case. Um, you know, Swing Left recently sent out an email uh, talking about the fundraising money that 8th District Congressman Republican Dave Reichert just reported to the FEC, which I think was in the neighborhood of $500,000, which in 2017, you know, the year prior, he's he's really got a, a, a quite a jump start. I'm wondering what kind of response you had to that email. Did that spur people to action or to open their, their wallets?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um... Actually, we sort of like wanted to see where the people were more interested in sort of a national story or a local story. And and the the email that we sent out um, around the, you know, your local swing district here, here, what your local swing district rep has raised. um, You know, here's what we and other groups have kind of raised for the eventual Democratic nominee in that district, Um, you know. I should highlight, by the way, this method of fundraising, raising for the eventual nominee, is really something that's been possible for many years, these district, district funds, but not something that's really been done at any kind of scale before. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of an exciting new model. And, you know, I'm, I'm sort of sad to report that um, for, for Reichert... Um, there's only $15,000 sitting, waiting, versus, you know, um, Reichert has like $557,000. But
0: the 8th District has only been recently included on swing left as a swing district,
1: right? Yeah, the the cool thing with the fund, though, is that you don't have to wait for the nominee. You can donate, you know, you don't have to sort of like give money that will be spent in the primary. You can give money that will only be spent in the general election now. And that's the kind of the new thing in this model that you can go and donate to that to that fund um, so that, you know, whoever wins gets that money. That's kind of the cool thing about it. Um, But, you know, if you look at some of the money raised in some of these districts, it's not just ISA where there's a lot of money remaining. In fact, there are eight districts in which we've already raised um, more money for the Democratic nominee than the the Democrat raised all last cycle.
0: That's incredible. That's that's really – that's very impressive, man. So in terms of grassroots involvement, and we touched on this a little bit, since this show is uh, for and about the Indivisible movement here in the state, how would you like to ideally interface with groups like Indivisible?
1: Well, I mean... I would say that we're already doing it on a very wide scale basis. Like our experience is that, you know, um, a lot of groups, you know, are indivisible groups when they're kind of focusing on their own district. And then when they're looking to make a difference, you know, electorally in the the federal government, um, then they're sort of turning to our tools and what we're doing. There's a lot of overlap between indivisible groups and our groups and plenty of groups that like, you know, um, you know New York 19 there's like in, in, indivisible New York 19 slash New York 19 vote slash swing left New York 19 they're kind of all those things at once Um you know, whatever sort of hats people come in on doesn't really matter. And we're, we're, we're very happy about that. You know what I mean? Um, the only thing we're really interested in is getting people out to do this work, you know, uh, uh, canvassing, creating these campaigns, you know, uh, uh, donating, raising money for these candidates, um, you know, doing research for their swing district, um, all this kinds of stuff. So,
0: yeah, well, I mean, you definitely have a significant footprint here in Washington State and in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, and I was really excited to add uh, Washington eight. It was something that when we set up the criteria, which was you know, like I said, just kind of a blunt force instrument, um, you know, wasn't wasn't very nuanced. I was like looking at the Pacific Northwest. I'm like, oh man, you know, there's got to be something there um, <laughs> because because I used to live there. I used to live on Vashon Island, and I know the, the the sort of passionate people. And I was like super excited that you know, once we did add. Uh, a Washington eight that, like you know, people I knew in Wallingford and sure. you know Vashon and things like that, um, were sort of hosting house parties and getting involved because I know the kinds of you know folks we got up there, and I knew we had to to find something. And you know, Washington eight is a very it's it's obviously tough, but it's in the wave election that we believe is coming, it's a gettable district.
0: — Absolutely, and the, as I said, the DCCC agrees with you. The leadership of the state, Tina Podlodowski, the Washington Democratic uh, chair, also agrees with you. Um, just one quick question that I have about messaging, and this comes from a listener. Uh, he is the head of Indivisible Woodenville, Bill Gliwitz, Um, And he asks, and I think this may relate to the Democrats' new platform, a better deal. He asks, should the main effort be to turn out the base or rather to try to convince blue-collar types we may have alienated in the past? Should we go with big, strong liberal ideas or appeal to the moderates? What's, what's, what's your take on messaging?
1: Our sense is for a midterm election that, um, you know, basically you just got to look at the numbers. Um, presidential turnout is close to 60%. Right. Midterm turnout is close to thirty five percent. And usually Republicans are doing better on that front than we are. So, you know, if we just get a larger slice of your typical presidential Democratic voters to turn out during the midterms, you know, we can win in a really big kind of way. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be talking to people who become like disenchanted with, you know, the, uh, um, uh, the Democratic Party or sort of like not connected to the progressive movement or things like that and we're going to be sort of doing you know some persuasion related stuff but right now we are sort of focusing on turnout because the science is fairly well settled in terms of you know the tactics that work on that side um, we're going to be looking to sort of like test some stuff on the persuasion side we hope but you know turnout we know works canvassing works there's there's things you can do that are, that are going to actively increase your vote share um, and so since we have these people out there doing this work um, uh, so early on in such an unprecedented kind of way um, we are going to be sort of directing them to that turnout focused work
0: yeah well Ethan Toders Whitehill man thank you so much for taking the time I really
1: appreciate it yeah no thanks it was really good to talk to you
0: time now for this week's call to action but first of course our dose of good news now Because this show generally comes out on a Tuesday or Wednesday of every week, by the time I get to one of the biggest good news stories in some time, say how 48 Democratic senators, along with three Republican senators, not to mention millions of motivated grassroots activists, stopped Donald Trump and the GOP from stripping health care away from tens of millions of people, Well, by the time I get around to talking about it, not only is it, let us say, aged news, but uh, Trump and the Republicans have already gone on to their next onslaught. But that being said, I feel that I would be remiss if I didn't mention what I think is one of the Democrats' first real wins since the 2016 election, which is the failure of the GOP to undo Obamacare. It cannot really be underplayed in my mind. And while, as I said, Trump is already on to his next petulant assault, in another bit of potential good news, congressional GOP support is beginning to crack for him and his insanity. And why? Because of you because of the constant pressure being put on our elected officials, that we in the indivisible movement told our senators over and over again that we had their backs, which emboldened them to speak out more and more forcefully against Trump care. And we pressured our House members. We thanked them for their votes when appropriate, and we let them know when we disapproved. And we got through. Members of Congress are nervous, you guys. And that means something very fundamental, right? That means they are taking their cues from us, which means that the people are leading. I mean, how about that? I, for one, am a fan. So while we do need to be prepared for the next big onslaught, and I mean that on any number of fronts, against our health care, against transgender people, against immigrants, because it will come. It's important for us to pause for a moment and take stock of what this movement has accomplished. We made our voices heard. We held our elected officials to account. And that, you guys, is really damn good news. And so, for this week's call to action, in keeping with the theme of this week's show, this week's call to action is to canvas. I know. I know. If you're anything like me, the thought of knocking on doors just just fills you with existential dread. I'm with you. Believe me. But look, my mom is out there doing it. Now, I'm not going to tell you her age because I'm a nice son, but I will tell you mine. I am 48. You do the math. In any event, if my mom, who is de facto older than 48, can get out there and do it, so can you. And so can I. Damn it! I have made a promise that I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do it. I'm going to hold good to that promise. So join me, won't you? Strategists of all stripe have said that at the end of the day, voter registration and turnout on election day makes all the difference. So let's get people fired up. Let's get out there. You want to? I will if you will. All right. That is this week's call to action. My next guest, Justin Goff, is an activist for Swing Left here in Washington State. And he's been instrumental in the 8th District becoming a swing district for us in the state, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, but we started by talking about how and when he first got involved with Swing Left.
2: Yeah, it was it was interesting. I heard about Swing Left, I think, uh, in that... Uh, <laughs> That dark weekend, uh, Mm -hmm. that dark uh, inauguration weekend, and then kind of that bright light uh, um, after the Women's March, um, I was on the internet, I was on Twitter, and and I kept hearing about it, and I thought, that is an interesting group, because they have a clear goal. They're not trying to do everything, they're trying to do one thing, and that is... Swing the House representatives to the left.
0: Right, absolutely. So uh, let's say somebody here in Washington State wants to get involved with Swing Left. What do they do?
2: So the best way to get involved, if you go to swingleft.org, you can put in your address. It will um, identify the closest Swing District. Um, Anyone in Washington State, for the most part, is probably going to come up with the 8th, which is Dave Reichert's district. And I believe you just put in your email address. Um, Once you get through those prompts, you can volunteer to... Um, be on the research team, you can volunteer to go out and do some canvases or some voter identification activities, um, uh, all of which are kind of starting to kick into gear now in the summertime.
0: So for somebody who may not be within driving distance, easy driving distance of the 8th District, say somebody who lives in
2: Spokane who's listening, what should they do? Yeah, um, if, if you're outside the district, um, the best thing to do would be to you know, uh, would be to share the swing left domain on all of your social media platforms to make sure that more people know about it. And also you can get involved, like I said, with the research side of it. So there's a group that is really digging into the data and trying to figure out, you know, how are we going to flip uh, this congressional district? What places need to be identified? So there's a lot of um, there's actually a team of over 30 people right now just volunteering their time to dig into the data. They're looking at the different demographics and, and all of that can be done from your home, um, at any time of the day.
0: Wow. Great. That sounds ideal for the political nerds among us. And I know also that there's an emphasis on donating money as we talked about in the last segment. So you did a lot of work prior to the eighth district being declared a swing district. Um, tell us about that.
2: So, um, Real quick, a little quick uh, recap on Swing Left. When Swing Left was first uh, announced, if you went to the website and you live in the state of Washington, you probably saw a swing district in Alaska and a swing district, uh, I believe it was the Nevada 4th. uh,
0: I did that, and that's exactly what came up for me, yeah.
2: And and I saw that as well, and and my thought was— this is not right. We need to flip the eighth. And how am I going to do that? So what I did is when they started having events around, uh, uh, Seattle and Bellevue and and the East side, I went to every event that I could, the events I couldn't get to, I reached out to the hosts, uh, through email and said, look, we need to stay coordinated and we need to have a push to add this additional, uh, uh, swing district. And so really from day one, my, my goal has been to help keep people coordinated, Help keep uh, keep everyone uh, talking so then when it gets to the summer months uh, when there's actual things to do um, in real life you know knocking on doors getting you know registering voters and getting out the vote for the primary um, this year um, I wanted to be able to be in a position where we can uh, activate um, the people that may have gone to the website uh, not seen a flippable district near them and then they would have normally walked away from it I want to be able to pull them back in and say, look, now we have uh, a district that we can well work on uh, and have a huge impact in our state.
0: Now, you are also working on LD45. That is the special Senate race with uh, candidate Monica Dingra that has gotten so much press. Uh, she actually has been on the show here. And uh, when she was, she told me that there has been about $2 million poured into that race, which is just well. unprecedented. Um, I'm curious to know how all that sort of folds into what swing left does since it's not a house race it's it's a, right. a legislative race so how is that different in terms of your strategy
2: so the some of the earliest conversations that I've had with the people at the at swing left um, hQ was about the fact that we had this extremely important race happening in 2017 we also have you know a lot of other um, special elections outside the 45th we have Elections in the thirty-first um, that that are uh, you know that we can be as Democrats or progressives we can be competitive in. We also have um, seats up in the thirty-seventh and the forty-eighth. All of those things today, right now, are not going to flip the U.S. House of Representatives. But what we approached them and said we can use these events as training grounds to really get people excited about twenty eighteen, and I think okay. that that that's the most important thing is is. Being able to connect the state level races to the federal races um, gives people a better understanding that it's, you know, not that it's the exact same thing, but it's very similar. And so they were 100 percent supportive and they said, whatever you need to do in your area, literally just go do it. Um, Don't ask us for permission. Just go do it and let us know what's mm-hmm. working because they're taking all of this information in. But
0: well, you have a lot to offer in that regard. And I should also mention that you've done work on a statewide ballot initiative that would force any candidate running for elected office in Washington state to show his or her tax returns. That's something that has obvious ramifications for the presidential race in 2020. Uh, and with that, you've brought a good deal of tech and entrepreneurial skills to the job. You are on... On the Washington Dems Tech Committee, you're also pursuing a master's in entrepreneurship at UW. How does all that come together for you?
2: You know the the interesting the interesting part about all of those things is is my role. Um, you know, I I, I grew up um, in in a family that was into politics, and so the fact that all of these folks now are are activated and want to do something and, and, and really want to get involved, like to me, it's exciting. How we got here. It's terrible. It's awful. You know, it's not something I, 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 I like to even talk about that often, but we're here and people are activated. So what can I do? What what skills can I leverage um, that I have that can help anyone? And so where I come from is more of the tech background. You know, um, acquire in business, it's all about how low of a cost can you acquire a customer for? And I'd really like to, to figure out how low we can acquire voters for um, in the political side. And for the initiative um, that uh, a woman named Sue Edwards put together, you know, um, I'm trying to help her figure out how low can she acquire uh, the cost of signatures, because at the end of the day, um, none of the you know, none of this happens without technology.
0: Well, has the cost been? Do you can can you tell us what the cost has generally been to get a signature for an initiative? And and I I believe you have to get 300,000 signatures to get on the ballot in Washington. Is that figure right?
2: yeah it is um, I might mess up this percentage, but I believe it's eight percent of the last gubernatorial uh, general election, and so I think that is in the the two hundred and seventy two hundred eighty thousand range for our state, and then you need some uh, additional signatures over that because they validate them uh, through a you know statistical validation process um, but you're, you're you're well over three hundred thousand, probably closer to three hundred and twenty thousand signatures and the the going rate. To my understanding, and from all of the consultants that I've spoken to, you're looking at three to four dollars a signature,
0: which is enormously expensive. And so, yeah, and so obviously, if you were able to get the cost per signature down in some way, that would be uh, that would be a great use of your skill set, right?
2: Yeah, you know the you know the first idea has how do we collect these signatures electronically? You know, when I bought a house, I I, I probably ninety uh, percent of the signatures were all electronic, and now unfortunately, you can't do that. There's a lot of uh, restrictions, but but if we're going to live in the world of politics and, and restrictions, then let's figure out how we can spread the word, um, you know, digitally and, and get people involved. In, and there's still, I mean, at the end of the day, there still is going to be a paid component to almost any initiative in our state. It's too many signatures. It's too small of a window. Um, but the more volunteers you get out in collecting those signatures, then um you know, the better shot that you have at keeping the costs down and, and, and having to raise less money. It's just like, it's, it's crazy to think it's, it's almost as expensive as a congressional campaign to do it, a a ballot initiative. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, Well, Justin Goff, I just want to say thank you again for all the work that you're doing. And also just one last time, uh, if people want to get involved with Swing Left, uh, what do they do?
2: Um, Go to swingleft.org. You can type in your address, um, and then your email address, and they will connect you with the team. And then you'll have a bunch of options to, to either get involved on the ground um, or through digital research. Um, hopefully, uh, phone banking, those types of things will start popping up um, as we get closer to the election.
0: Great. Justin Goff, thanks so much, man.
2: Thank you. Have a great day.
0: And that will do it for this week's show. Uh, As I mentioned on last week's show, we have a new website. I will plug it again. The address is indivisiblepodcast.org. Again, indivisiblepodcast.org. Hey, it's a piece of cake. It's a pretty-looking site with lots of info, so check it out, won't you? The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative, Inc. Thank you again to Ethan Todras Whitehill, and thank you to Justin Goff. And thanks to you, as always, for listening. We will see you guys next time. Bye.